Hey, Housing News listeners. This is Alcena Lloyd. I'm a reporter on HousingWire's editorial team, and I'm also the producer of this weekly podcast, which is a proud member of the Industry Syndicate. Today, you will be listening to our season finale, which features industry titan and New York Times bestselling author Tom Ferry. In this week's episode, the fellow podcast host and top real estate coach explains how real estate agents and brokers can utilize social media and technology to set themselves apart, as well as what it takes to win in today's real estate industry. But before we listen, Clayton will bring you word from our sponsor. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, the CEO at Housing Wire. And before we get started with this episode of the Housing News Podcast, I want to bring you some knowledge and insight from our sponsor, ArchMI. With interest rates at historical lows, when finances are booming, how do you win this business? It's simple, lower the MI premium for your borrower. The newest feature of Arch's innovative RateStar platform, the RateStar Refinance Retention Program, makes it possible. Eligible borrowers with loans already insured by ArchMI can refinance into new loans with a lower MI premium payment. Give your refi customers a better deal. If you'd like to learn more about how RateStar powers possibilities, visit archmi.com forward slash RateStar Refi. Thank you for listening, and here's the season finale of the Housing News Podcast. All right, folks, Clayton Collins here, another episode of the Housing News Podcast this week. And uh, if you've been listening to the show for a bit, you know I love recording episodes when we have our guest in person. So uh, Mr. Tom Ferry stopped by the office today, yeah. could not resist the chance to uh, to record a podcast with you. Tom, welcome to Housing News. Yeah, man, thank you so much. And uh, you know, for all the people out there, I'm a big fan of Housing Wire. So Clayton, thanks for what you guys are doing. Oh, we really appreciate that. We've been focused on the mortgage industry for so long and really trying to better serve our real estate agent and broker yep. audience so means the world that you've uh, been a housing wire follower and supporter absolutely if you uh, if you follow me on instagram probably three times a month i'll post a, a housing wire piece on my story just saying everybody needs to read this everybody needs to check this out so you know not just a shameless self-promotion for you guys but you know we we all know uh knowledge brokers both on the mortgage side and the agent yep. side that's who wins right the consumers want to work with the most informed most educated person so you guys just do a good job. You make it easy for us. Yeah, we're not we're not selling uh, houses. We're not selling no. mortgages. We are no. selling information and access to information. That's perfect. Yeah. All right. So, Tom, our our format here. We mm-hmm. want to learn more about you. We want to start okay. off like, who is Tom Ferry? How did you get started? Give us give us the story. Sure. This is so great that I'm being told the format as we're starting the podcast. Um, yeah. So, do you uh, need a warm up? You want us to back up? No, no, no. no. <laughs> I've done a few. I've done a few. So, uh, you know, fast version. Uh, you know. Barely got out of high school, graduated the GED, was kicked out of both parents' homes. Uh, knew early on, Clayton, that I was uh, I was destined. I didn't I didn't think about it as like sales and entrepreneurship when I was young, but I knew that I was the guy that can convince everybody to leave school and go to your house for a party. Never my house, but always someone else's house. And uh, and I think that just translated nicely uh, when I got into sales. Um, most people know my dad. He's a legend in the space. He's been doing it for you know forty five plus years, and sort of the the godfather of bringing discipline to the to the real estate industry. So when I joined his business, it was a you know tiny little family business, and you know I was excited just to be able to support my dad and support my family, and uh, helped grow that from three to seven million dollars before I took on a leadership role. And then when I became president, we went from seven to forty five million um, in about nine years. So it was, a, it was a good run. You you know you learn a lot 
um, when you're in a fast-paced, family-owned, you know, completely insanely run, you know, dynamic <laughs> business. Um, but the most important thing I learned was, you know, at the end of the day, we're in the people business, and whoever can help the most people and do it in a genuine way, do it in an authentic way, like stay, like stay in your lane, like do what you do best, and then help people do that more intelligently at a lesser cost, at a better conversion rate. Um, I think that time at my dad's was priceless. Um, and then, you know, 16 years ago, my co-founder sitting behind us, um, we made the decision that we wanted to do it differently. We believed, um, at the time I was coaching 16 of the most successful agents in the country, and every one of them did their business differently. And I, you know, I mean, like, yeah, they all did open houses and they all did listing presentations in some dynamic and they all worked with buyers in some way, shape or form. And they all had assistance, yada, yada. But meaning the way that they were generating clients, there wasn't like one cut and dry approach that all these agents took. Sure, they all worked their database, but then they had all these nuances and subtleties about how they marketed themselves. And, and the thing that I think I've always prided myself on is being really good at synthesizing what are the very best people do and then codifying it into a plan that the everyday agent anywhere in the world can then go use and adopt. And that's really how we started this business. It was, here's what the best agents are doing. How do we synthesize that and then give it to agents that are maybe just getting started or a, or a veteran who's 25, 30 years in the business and looking to reinvent themselves. Um, and then from there, I mean, obviously, you know, being early on uh, Beluga, I'm sure you remember Beluga. Of course. Right, and MySpace and then Friendster and then eventually Facebook and YouTube and uh, I think just being a fan of content marketing early, when we didn't call it content marketing, when it was really just about, hey, I can either write a book or I can do you know 500 videos on YouTube, you know which one's going to give me better reach, and uh, I, the rest is kind of history. So the tools changed over time. The tactics have relatively stayed the same about connecting yeah, with an audience and, and creating content that's valuable. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I think every agent knows or every uh, loan officer knows listening to this, like the whole game is to like find your tribe. Like find the people that resonate with your message, your way of doing business, and then help them all day long, every day, to be the best that they can be in whatever their endeavor is. And that's, I think that's just the thing that we've done well, whether it's uh, the Tom Ferry Show, which is, you know, in the, you know, I don't even know, tens of millions of views, um, which is, you know, in and of itself, like shocking for me. Um, or, you know, or a Mindset Monday or doing a live event. Like we just seem to attract a certain quality of agents that, uh, that also believe that there's enough business for everyone, so we're willing to sort of share our best practices to better everybody. That's awesome. So I want to come back to like some of those factors and skills that like sure. codify the top performers, but I really want to like like start at a, a really high level here. And I think yeah. we, we all know, we think we know an answer to this, but in your view, after working with tens of thousands, am I getting that number right of agents? I've, I've had like 30, the last time I checked the number, I was at 33,000 hours of private coaching sessions. That's a couple hours. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to do the math on that later, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a lot of 30 minute sessions. So in your role, in your view, yeah. what is the role of a real estate agent in today's market? Well, I actually think there's multiple, what I refer to as sort of superpowers of a great agent today. Um, the first one would, it would be quite simply to be the best they can be at branding and business development. Specifically, how does one scale trust? I mean, the real estate space and the, and the mortgage space is so noisy today. Everybody knows 16 agents and three people that, that do loans. Yep. So how do you separate yourself from the competition? So the first skill for me is always, how can one scale trust, whether that's through doing a podcast or 
uh, doing a different style open house or doing better direct mail or a newsletter or making phone calls. They've got to do something at scale to make sure that they stay top of mind with all of their prospects, all of their past clients and everybody in their sphere. So that's number one. Um, number two, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to convince people to bring more humanity back to the real estate transaction. Um, we become so transactional, right? Everybody's trying to figure out, you know, the next piece of software that's going to make the next part of the transaction easier and faster and more efficient. Uh -huh. um, and yet, you know, when you talk to first-time homebuyers or you talk to someone that's a first-time seller or someone who's a senior, like my, my in-laws who recently sold their house, um, it's, it's something that the average consumer does once every 10 years. They're not looking for somebody super slick to come in and solve their problem that fast. I think the vast majority of people are looking for a lot of empathy, a lot of understanding, a lot of recognition that most people are in the research phase, not in the transactional phase. So the thing that I'm pushing for is, you know, more, more consultations, less pitches, right? And I think agents that are taking that on, they're finding just, well, I know they're finding tremendous success with that. So, I mean, I think in a lot of industries, the, the thought of doing something at scale and then adding more humanity to mm -hmm. the process are, mm -hmm. are, are like conf conflicting, con conflicting strategies. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what do you, I don't know if it's just the more consultations, less pitches, but like, what are you seeing the best agents do that actually know how to like balance like scale and humanity, like have that relationship, but also reach yeah. a lot of people? Yeah, well, so the scale side, um, if you look at if you look at scaling trust, to me, what we're really talking about is the combination of whether it's direct mail or doing a podcast or creating their own shows. Um, and you look, I've been I was early on video from like 2007, specifically on YouTube, and around 2009, I really started talking about it with agents. Huh. Well, today, uh, every conference I go to, I'll say how many you know how many of you see me live before, and a percentage of the hands will go up, and then I'll usually laugh and say oh, I'm the number one coach seven yep. years in a row, but I suck. I'm not good in Indiana or wherever I'm at, and then I say, well, how many of you see me on YouTube? And then every hand goes up. Yeah, it's funny you say that. That's I, how you scale trust. So we had Ryan Serhant on the yes. on the show yeah. uh, in the fall, uh -huh. and Ryan was telling me that go back two years and people mm -hmm. bumping him on the street and say, hey, you're that, you're on Bravo. You're that Bravo yeah, you're guy. that million dollar listing guy. He yep. says, he hasn't had a single person this year come up to him and say, I saw you on Bravo. It's like, you're the YouTube guy. You're the YouTube guy. Bingo. Bingo. Because that, I mean, that's, that's the game. So the agent or loan officer that's listening, you know, I'm putting out five original pieces of content yeah. on YouTube every single week. And I would argue that the, the most important hire today for an established agent, keyword established, and an established loan officer is a videographer who is capturing behind the scenes, real time how they do what they do, yep. um, s telling stories about you know case studies or examples or you know you got to do some how's the market stuff all the time. Um, but at the end of the day, like there's a reason why these shows are so successful on on television. People are fascinated by housing. It's 17% of the GDP of the U.S. Like it's a fascinating discussion. Like why some homes sell and others don't, and why some are priced this way and some are priced that way, and why is there a house in in Boston that was 300 square feet? Like people love it, and if agents are keeping their knowledge a secret, 
they're not scaling their trust. I, I mean, you're preaching to the choir on love. I, know, I mean, I, I, know. I feel like I have the best job in the world. I can talk about For sure. housing all day long. Yes. I, when all my friends are talking yes. about, like, or flipping through the ESPN app. I'm flipping through Zillow. I love looking <laughs> at houses, yeah, and absolutely. I'm not alone in that. No, we're, abs- <laughs> we're Hey, listen, I was talking to the former chairman of Realtor.com who was, like, busted looking at Zillow. Like, it's every, <laughs> hey, everybody. The interface is clean. <laughs> exactly. And, but listen, I'm a huge fan of Zillow and Redfin and, all, like, all, all the interfaces, yep. right? The, the UI of Redfin is bananas. Yep. Right, and even the you know, I mean, I think everybody knows that, right? Um, yeah, housing housing is where it's at. So back to the question of like, how do you scale trust? To me, you scale trust by putting out quality content, by really understanding who your tribe is, understanding what their needs are, what their concerns are, um, and then you know the the sort of tactical side of doing more appointments, right? I mean, look, how many appointments does an agent have to go on to be successful? I, one of my top clients, I think I want to say he's number 14 or 15 in the world on the Wall Street Journal list last year. Um, I mean, he went on 31 listing appointments in the first like 42 days of 2020. Right now, if you asked him about his appointment, one happened to be my next door neighbor. I asked him, I'm like, how was that appointment with Tim? They said, he was the most genuine person. Like we know he's a successful agent and he puts out a lot of quality content. They said, he was asking about our marriage he was asking us why we would make this move. Like, why would we build this dream house seven years ago and then suddenly put it on the market? Like, they were like, it, it wasn't what we expected. We were expecting a, here's my marketing proposal. Here's what it's going to sell for. Yep. Here's the price. Here's the pitch. And and look, I'm not saying, if you're listening to this, I'm not saying that's bad, right? There's a set of consumers that that's all they want from an agent. Um, Timmy can do all that stuff, but he has found with a little more empathy, taking your time and really getting to know people and what their real motivation is. You know, when you're talking about $10 million properties, he can get them priced better. He gets higher fees. You with me? Because he's he's moving away from just that wham, bam, thank yep. you, ma'am, transactional mindset. And again, we're talking about a guy who's in the high, high end of coastal California. I think he's doing it right. And at a scale where there could be temptation to start treating your sure. clients and your interactions sure. really transactionally. He'll do $400 million in sales personally this year. His team will do another $400 million. We're not talking about a schleppy agent. We're yeah. talking about a guy that, you know, he'll do, he'll have 150 listings sold and he'll do 50 buyer sales yeah. on his own. On his own, not including his team. So this, you know, this is a high transaction, but super high touch, like super high touch agent. All right, so we know where the profession and the industry is today. Yep. Um, we're hearing a lot about the the threats to the model, changes to the model, sure. whether it's whether it's iBuyers or or one of the platforms we were just talking about yeah. coming in and taking yeah. part of the transaction. Where do you think? Where does the the profession of the agent sit in ten years? Like, how, how does it? How does the next decade? How do the twenty twenties change the the profession of the agent? Um. Only one time in my professional career have I come out and had sort of a Nostradamus moment where I said, this is what I think the future is going to look like in the next three to five years. No crystal ball gazing? I just, you know, (laughs) I mean, look, trends are usually pretty obvious, but they're usually obvious in like in 18 months. So in 10 years, I don't know. But I think over the next um, three to five years, I think if you just look at the pace of iBuyer, you look at the pace of um, what I would call the arbitrage game. Right, the you look at the the number of sites that are now available that agents can sign up for and and no longer have to pay to play can just sign up for and if they do a good enough job with HomeLight or or you know Zillow or Realtor.com and then you know 500 others um, that they can have a decent amount of business. But I think what scares me for the agents that are listening is 
if if you don't regain your independence, you're going to be in a position financially where you're beholden to a lot of people that can continue to take higher chunks of your commission dollars away. And and that for me scares scares me, right? So the thing that I'm stressing to my agents is, look, you need to be on all those platforms and you better be figuring out ways you're going to be generating self-sourced business or you're going to find yourself doing 100% of the work for maybe 65 cents on the dollar. That, that's what really kind of brings us back to, to scale and humanity at the same time. If that mm-hmm. human element mm-hmm. that, that can't be innovated away, essentially. No, no, no. And if you're out there building trust and creating credibility in the marketplace, look, it's still the wild, wild west. There's no one, like Ryan is, uh, Ryan's an anomaly, but Ryan also had 10 years of television, yep. which really put him on the map. Oh. And then when he decided to go hard on YouTube, which I was, you know, I've known Ryan for a long time. Like I was like, that was a smart move. But you know what he's also doing? He's also controlling his tribe. Mm-hmm. He has zero control over what happens on Bravo. But on his YouTube, he can have a CTA. He could say, hey, reach out to me here or got a question here. Can't do any of that stuff on Bravo. Yeah. Clearly, he's, con- he's controlling the environment now. Clearly an anomaly. I mean, his story yeah. is incredible. I mean, he yeah. didn't really even have a business when that show started. No. Um, but no. He, did, he did the things you mentioned. He got a videographer. He's doing, and, I mean, again, an anomaly. Craig yeah. has a videographer 10x yes. what any of the rest of us could afford. For sure. But it's still, uh, I mean, he's he's a great yeah. role model for someone who wants to adopt that, that 100%. strategy. And I, and I could I could give you a thousand names of agents that are not uh, a Ryan Surratt, yeah. but but in their marketplace, they are finding their tribe, yeah. right? They are creating a tremendous voice. And you know what happens? It's, it's like everybody says, hey, I want to have more referral business. The challenge today, though, is like actually getting true data around where your business really comes yeah. from, right? You know, was it, direct, was it the direct mail piece? Was it the fact they went to Zillow? you know, read like 15 of your reviews, saw your map, then called you, you know, was that a referral? Like, you know what I mean? When you start creating a lot of content, you you put out enough content, good content, your phone is going to ring all yep. day long. And then you should say to yourself, who cares what the source is? Mm-hmm. Right now, eventually you should have a drop down menu that says, how'd you hear about me? Was it YouTube? Was it Instagram? Was it LinkedIn? Was it Twitter? Was it this? You know what I mean? You should do all that stuff. But at the end of the day, 10 years, Look, real estate's already the rich and the rest. Like that's, the, yep. if you look at the data, I mean, it's like if there's 1.4 million agents, one could argue that 700,000 of them will not do a transaction this year. That's incredible. I mean, that's what we, uh, Mike Meadler of Century 21 shared some of that data with us. Yeah. I was joking that it was uh, the 80-20 rule applied. He's like, it starts laughing. I'm like, what, the 90-10? 95-5. And he, he's like, I'm like 95-5? He's yeah. like, maybe. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard 92, you know, 92-8. But look at, look at um, you know, I'm proud to be a co-owner of America's Best Agents in the Wall Street Journal Top 1000. Look, there's only 16,000 agents that did either more than 50 transactions or more than $25 million in volume. And, you know, I wasn't a part of the original process behind the $25 million in volume because one could argue that could be one transaction in Beverly Hills. That really doesn't, in my opinion, make, I'm not knocking any of my clients in Beverly Hills, but like, you know, if you do one deal for $25 million, are you really a good agent? Like, really? Hey, maybe it's a good model for that person. Uh, you know, do your one transaction and then, you know, move along. But no, I, I like the I like the person that does 25 transactions a year, 30 transactions a year. Like, that's a sound real estate professional. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's bring it back to the agent. So yeah. 33,000 hours of coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the common characteristics you're seeing of people who actually can 
uh, break into that uh, that, that 17,000 people who uh, actually might be considered a top agent? Like, what, what are the what are the intrinsic traits, or what are the, the learned characteristics that you keep see shining through? Yeah, I mean, there's so many of them. The first thing that comes to mind is a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, and I don't get credit for the the brilliance of that phrase. Uh, Dr. Carol Dweck wrote a book on this, um, but it really it, it really puts a spotlight on why the best are the best. So if you look at the characteristics of someone with a growth mindset, they are, they're willing to be rejected. They're willing to try new things. Like they don't take things personally. So they're gonna, they're gonna take more at bats, more testing than someone who has a fixed mindset, who's more inclined to say, well, this is how we've always done it. And the truth is they're just Clayton. They're just afraid of the possibility of trying something and it not working in them, looking bad or feeling bad. If you just stopped right there, that's the biggest difference. Right, that when I look at the agents that, that we work with and agents that we don't work with and I'm just I'm friends with, right, because I've just been in the industry for so long, and they may be coached by somebody else, right? The the key, what makes them so great is this willingness to try new things. I mean, Drucker said, you know, all business is innovation and marketing. All business is innovation and marketing. The second you stop innovating, you become yeah. less relevant to the consumer. So, you know, my dad used to joke a million years ago about, you know, a real estate agent's business card would have a photo of this person that was 15 years old. And, and I look at that. But they look their best. They, they, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to use my photo from 10 years ago. Don't, I mean, don't we all, right? But, but <laughs> so, so my modern sort of razz yeah, of that yeah. is if I look at your card and it doesn't look anything like you, I say you've broken trust and trust is the most important asset in this business. So you've broken trust. You can't even be yeah. honest enough to put a photo that looks like you on your card, as an example. And so, that's the beauty of video and social media. For sure. It's not like... It's, what you it, see it, is what you get. It's not your glamour shot. No. Uh, you might not like the angle. Or you might love the angle if you bring the camera up high enough. But, yes. <laughs> and, and I would... I, for all my subscribers, you know, like some of the best videos that, that get the most likes and the most watches, the most shares, is me standing in my, on my back porch with a hat on saying, I just have this idea and I just want to yep. share it with you guys really fast and it's it's not in my studio, it's not professionally done, it's me with my iPhone, mm-hmm. right? Because that, that raw and real. So, so back to the agents, right? Growth mindset, number one. Uh, number two is, without a shadow of a doubt, they have learned whoever casts the largest net wins. And, and unfortunately, some of my contemporaries beat into, and it's part of the reason why I started my business, that, that this myopic approach to real estate, you're either a prospector or you're a marketer or you work by referral. And my response is, that's stupid, right? I'm in business. My job is to find people that are of like mind, that have interest to do something now or in sometime the next 18 months to three years that I can nurture. I don't give a blank where they came from. For sale by hunter, expired listing, next door neighbor, past client, digital lead. My job is to be of service to more people. So when you look at the best agents, they have this multi-channel approach to their business. So yeah, do they want more referrals? Of course they do. But they've also recognized that a geographic farm, as an example, which is a time-tested real estate marketing strategy, can be become even better than their database because you can't predict the sales price of your past clients in your sphere, but you can in a geographic farm. Yep. And, and the numbers, the math, in terms of conversion on both those, are almost identical. Think about that. Like, so you could literally take a, I have clients today, I was mentioning my client, Josh Rubin. He's in New York City. He has 110,000 apartments he markets to twice a month with direct mail. Now it only generates $4 million in commissions, right? And people go, 
that's a lot of direct mail. I said, yeah, he probably spends $400,000 a year on direct mail. But if I can, look, if you gave me a dollar and I gave you 10, how many times did you give me that dollar? Again and again right? and, and again. At what point would you say, here's 1,000, right? And if I turn and give you 10,000, you'd be like, wait a minute, here's 10,000. I'm like, yeah, here's 100. It's so predictable. So what, what the best agents have figured out is that marketing is math. And whether it's my past clients in Sphere or a geographic farm or doing open houses or arbitraging leads from Zillow, Realtor, Trulia, and everybody else, they've just figured out that this multi-channel approach is what creates sustainability for them and relevancy. Because you are, you, listen to me, my friend, as you're listening to this, you are in a business where there's about $16 billion being spent annually to disrupt your relationships with your database and get your past clients and your friend and your prospects and your sphere and everyone that's ever walked in any of your open houses to go to somebody else's site, sign up so they can sell that lead. So it's an unfair advantage. So if you put all your eggs in one basket, to me, you're dead. You, you, gotta, you gotta be really good at a lot of different things and that's what makes the best people the best. All right, Tom, I know I'm standing between you and our number 33,001 yes. 3, uh, of, of your next coaching yes. session. Yes. So thank you very much for your time. Love talking to you today. Yeah, appreciate Before it, doing it again. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Thank you so much for listening to our season finale. We would love to extend a big thank you to our sponsor, ArchMI, and all the guests that made season two so awesome. Listeners, make sure you join us for season three. We have a talented lineup. Until then, head over to housingwire.com to read some of our latest stories and to listen to your favorite episodes of season two, which are available on our site, Apple, The Industry Syndicate, Buzzsprout, Spotify, and more.